Well, if you have your Bible or if you have your, your phone or your notebook or something like that, uh, I want to ask you to turn to a passage of Scripture, which we're going to be looking at here in just a moment. And it's in the New Testament and it's in the, the, um, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10. And we're going to land there in just a minute. And uh, today we're, we're starting a brand new series called Greatness. How many of you would like to do something great for God? Okay, well, those three people that would like to do something great, this message is going to be for you, amen? And hopefully I'll encourage the rest of you to come on board before we get done today. But uh, we called it greatness, and you'll see why in just a little while. But, um, you know, uh, I think every human being in their heart of hearts would like to do something great. They would like to make a, uh, or achieve something significant with their life. They, they want to, um, they want to be a part of something that's making a difference. Isn't that true? I think it's in the DNA of all of us to do something, to do something that will have a lasting effect. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about greatness. And in this particular message, we're going to talk about the pathway to greatness. And of course, you know, the world describes greatness in a different way that Jesus did. And so I got a little competition here up in the pulpit this morning. <laughs> we have a little, we have a camper that's not too happy. But let's pray and ask God to just bless our time together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And God, I pray that you would just bless this time. That you would just, Lord, that you would just cause the atmosphere, Lord, to be without distraction and any hindrance to your word going forth. And Lord, I pray that ahead of time that you would just cause the word of God to sink into the hearts and the lives of those that hear it. And that God, it would transform us today. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Now, when you think about greatness, the world describes greatness in a different way than Jesus would. The world describes greatness in terms of power, of possessions, of prestige, or a position. In other words, like, you know, for the world would say, if you've risen to a place of power, or you hold a superior position, whether it's in the corporate world, the political world, the church world, well, you've achieved greatness. Or the world would say that if you've accumulated a lot of possessions and, and or wealth, then you, in the world's eyes, have achieved greatness. The world would say that if you've been given some kind of prestigious title or given some kind of rank in an organization, then in the world's eyes they would say, you are great. But how many of you know that Jesus has a different idea of greatness than the world has? In fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, 36, he said, listen, how does a man benefit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Or is anything worth more than that? So Jesus described greatness as the condition and the health of somebody's soul. In another passage of scripture in Matthew 27, the uh, religious leaders asked him, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said in verse 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law of demand and demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So basically, Jesus is defining in his eyes what is greatness. Somebody whose soul is healthy and somebody who's successful in building strong relationships first with God and then with others. 
But not only does he define greatness different than the world, he describes or identifies the pathway to greatness different than the world. The world would say, climb over whoever you can. It doesn't matter who you got to run over. It doesn't matter who you have to push down. You just call your way to the top. But how many of you know that's not Jesus' philosophy? He had a different philosophy. And in Mark 10, he begins to unpack his pathway to greatness. In verse 35, And James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. He said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right and one on the left in your glory. So now what was James and John really asking for here? I think they were asking for greatness. I think they were asking to be great. They wanted to be the greatest leaders in the kingdom of God on top of the rest of the disciples. Let's take a look at how Jesus responds. In verse 38, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I'm baptized with you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left, it's not mine to give. But it's for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Now I want you to notice here something. Notice something here in this passage. The, the rest of the disciples, whenever they hear that James and John are jockeying for position in the, in the Cajun paraphrase version, they got ticked. They got upset. They, got, they were displeased. They became angry. Now, why do you think the other disciples got so upset that James and John wanted the vice presidency? Because they themselves... Wanting to be great. And they didn't appreciate anybody trying to one-up them and try to jockey for position. And I think what's true of the disciples is true of all of us. I wholeheartedly believe that in every human being is the desire to accomplish or be a part of something significant or something great. Am I right? If you don't, something's wrong. You're not healthy. Amen? Because I, I think that God has put it in our DNA. I think everyone desires to make a considerable contribution with their life. Nobody wants to use their life and just squander it in this world and just say, man, I can't wait to waste my life. I think everybody in here really in their heart of hearts wants to make a contribution, would like to achieve greatness. So how does the average person achieve greatness? Well, I think that Jesus lays out the path for us. In Mark chapter 10, after he finished answering their question in verse 42, Jesus called them to himself and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your shall be your, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be, but to, and give his life a ransom for many. Now, according to Jesus, the pathway to greatness is achieved not by climbing and crawling and trying to move in on others. According to Jesus, the pathway to greatness is serving. It's serving. Now, isn't that contrary to the world's way? 
Isn't that totally different? Wouldn't you agree that in our self-serving culture, that greatness is determined by how many people serve us, not how many people we serve? It's totally different in the world's eyes. If you have a position where people are serving you, oh man, that's awesome. But in God's eyes, he says, listen, if you want to be a leader in my kingdom, it's not how many people serve you, it's how many people you serve. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? And so later Jesus says in Mark 10, 43, he says, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. The pathway to greatness comes through serving. Now, if you can just remember this today, if you can remember nothing else, I say, remember this. If you want to be great in the eyes of the Lord, serve him. If you want to be great in the eyes of your spouse, your children, your family, serve them. If you want to be great in the eyes of those you work with and serve them. See, wherever you want to be great, just serve your way in. If you want to be great in the community, serve. If you want to be a great businessman, serve. If you want to be a great employee, serve. That's how you get to the place of greatness. If you want great friends, serve your friends. Are y'all hearing me out there? Serving has always been and always will be the pathway into greatness according to Jesus. And Jesus modeled this in, in Mark 10, 45. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for, for, for many. Whenever you think about Jesus, Jesus served his father. Jesus served his family. He served the church. He served his leaders. He served sinners. He served the sick. He served the poor. He served the hungry. He served the lost. He served the Christian. He served everywhere. His life was characterized by service. And in John 13, remember whenever he was with the disciples and, and you know, they were having a supper and, and he pulls out this towel and he wraps it around his waist and he pulls out a pail and he says, hey, let me wash your feet. And he starts washing their feet. Remember that? And then Peter says, oh, you're not washing my feet. Peter recognized what was going on here. It's like, man, this guy's not supposed to be washing our feet. He's the savior. He's the Messiah. He's the teacher, the rabbi. He's the leader here. And he says, oh, no, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in my kingdom. Oh, okay, then wash my hands, my head, wash everything. Because I want to be a part. Now, why was he doing that? I think he answers the question. In verse 12, he said, when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes in, on, or he put his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. So basically, Jesus is telling them, I know you're not expecting me to wash your feet because of my position and my title, but I'm trying to show you something, that nobody is beyond or outgrows the need to serve others. If you want to be great, you got to serve. In verse 14, he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one that sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, so Jesus was trying to teach his disciples as well as you and I. 
that a life of greatness is determined by our ability and willingness to serve others. I like the way the Amplified reads in, in John 13, 17. If you know these things, blessed and happy and to be envied are you. If you practice them, if you act according, accordingly and really do them. Blessed, happy, and to be envied will be the results of a life that is willing to serve others. How many of you are willing to be a servant? Amen. Now, you might not be fully convinced yet, so let me give you five reasons why you should willingly serve others. The first one is this, because we were created for service. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, it is God himself who has made us what we are, and have given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Long ago. In other words, before we were even born, God had already planned what our purpose should be. And it's not like becoming some an astronaut. It's actually serving others. Before we were born, Jesus, you know why Jesus said, happy are you if you do these things? Because I believe if you learn to serve others, you're doing exactly what God created you to do. God created us to serve. And I think that's the reason why some people are miserable and their lives are empty. It's because they're spending their lives clawing and trying to climb the corporate ladder or whatever it is, trying to get in the position and want, I want you to serve me. I want to be the supervisor. And Jesus says, no, no, that's the world's way. With you, it's going to be different. Serve your way. And I think that's why some of us are not enjoying life like we should because we're not doing what God created us for. We're like a screwdriver trying to nail a nail. And we're doing what God didn't create us for. But as soon as we start serving, we're going to find the wind of God's Spirit in our life. Because that's who He created us to be. Just like Jesus, a servant of all. Come on, are y'all receiving this this morning? The second reason we should be motivated to serve others is serving others is the way we serve the Lord. Now, I, I think we need to put serving others in perspective because if not, we're not going to be motivated to serve. A proper perspective of a servant is this. Every time you serve someone somewhere, you should look at this. You should look at it like this, rather. You're not serving others as much as you're serving and ministering to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We're serving the Lord. Listen what Colossians 3 says. Whatever you, 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We should see the face of Jesus in every person that we serve. Because if we look at it correctly, we're not serving individuals, we're serving the Lord. We shouldn't serve just for serving's sake. We should serve others for the Lord's sake. Amen? For it's the Lord Christ that you're saving. Remember in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Remember that? Verse 37 of Matthew 25. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick? Or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it for me. Notice he says, when you've done it to the least of these. You know, we would probably all want to serve a a high profile, successful football player or something. Oh, let me let me help you with that. But he said, no. What about the least of these? And I think really our heart and where we are in our life is how well can we serve the least of these? That's a litmus test of where we're at in our life. Amen? Come on. I need a better amen than that. So listen, we serve and minister to Christ as we serve and minister to others. So we must never lose this perspective. Never lose this perspective. Because I think when we lose this perspective, that's when we get disillusioned and get discouraged. That's whenever we don't want to serve anymore. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why do we want to serve others? Is it, are we doing it for our personal attention and recognition? Are we looking for the uh, applause of man? Are we seeking the approval of others? Or is our heart purely out of a desire to serve the Lord? See, it should be out of serving the Lord. And so remember, every time we minister and serve someone, It doesn't matter whether they appreciate it or not. It doesn't matter whether they're thankful or not. It doesn't matter whether they respond positively to me serving. It does not matter if they return a blessing. It doesn't even matter if they turn to Christ because of our serving. Because we're not serving to to reaction of the others. We're serving out of obedience to the command of the Lord. Amen? And so listen, as long as our motive is pure in our serving, it doesn't matter. Listen, I can give a glass of water to somebody that's dying of thirst and, and they say can you give me something to drink yeah here you go oh here you go oh thank you thank you and as soon as I turn around they can laugh at me stick their tongue out and say oh man I got a case of water here I just wanted to take your water it matters not to me whether they receive my service or not as long as God knows that I'm doing it out of pure heart God is going to reward me for it amen come on yes amen Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. The third reason we should be motivated to serve others is because he deserves my service. He deserves my service. Doesn't he deserve your service? How many of you glad that he rescued you? That he saved you? So listen, our service to others should be done out of a gratitude. Man, I didn't, I didn't like earn my way in, into the kingdom of God. Like Jesus said, oh my goodness, this guy's so godly. He's such a great guy. I got to have him in my kingdom. And that never happened. In fact, I was on the other side of the tracks. It's like, oh my goodness, this dude's a wreck, man. He's terrible. It's like, Lord, why did you choose me? What about you? Do you feel like God couldn't stand it any longer? That you were such a shining star that he decided, oh, I can't, I can't have my kingdom without that guy. No. 
Romans 12.1 says, So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to His service and pleasing to Him. When I think about the Lord and what He's done for me, He's shown me love. He's shown me mercy. He's shown me grace. He's extended His forgiveness to me time and time again. When I think of His sacrifice, He suffered for me. He was rejected for me. He was persecuted for me. He bled and died for me. He suffered for me. Whenever I think about that, what sacrifices can I make in service to Him that can come close to the sacrifices He made for me? See, if you understand the gospel, we don't get to go to heaven because some road was paved with gold. We get to go to heaven because we got a Lord and a Savior and a Master that didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And it's because he had a servant's heart and was willing to die that I get to go to heaven. Come on, that's motivation right there. To serve him, isn't it? Isn't it? The fourth motivation and reason to serve others is serving makes my life meaningful. See, I believe the happiest people on the planet are not those waiting around to be served. Like, can, can you do my work for me? Can you do my work? I, 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 I need somebody to do my work. I need somebody to serve me. I think... The, the most depressed, discouraged people on the planet are the most self-centered. Are the most self-consumed. I think the happiest people on the planet are those not waiting around to be served. The happiest people in the world are those who have learned to live a life of service towards others. Amen. You know, they did an experiment years ago and they, you know, in a mental institution where they had people that were just, you know, they were mentally just really uh, depressed and, and discouraged and, and just struggling. And they did an experiment. They said, maybe if we can get them serving in the community, it might help them. And so, so they were given responsibilities of serving the less fortunate. They like feeding the homeless and, and visiting the orphans who had no parents. You know, some people cry because, you know, uh, you know, well, I never, I never, you know, my mom and dad's been gone for a while. Well, imagine never having any parents. You know, some people never knew their parents. And then, you know, you say, man, I got a lot of problems. Well, imagine being in the hospital ward right now with cancer. And so they bring them out there and they say, look, why don't you just minister to the orphans here who don't have any parents? Well, why don't you try to encourage these kids who, who have cancer? And you know what, what happened was the results were, were phenomenal. In every case, the patients began to improve. Because they were no longer focusing on their own problems. They began focusing on other people's problems. And as they began to take their eyes off of themselves and begin serving other people, all of a sudden, their life gets healthy and whole. Come on, saints of God. This is the kingdom of God right here. And many of us have been trained by the world, but we need to pull down those high thoughts and those, those, those philosophies that are empty and let's get the kingdom of God principles working in our life. Amen? Come on, we don't need to claw our way to the top. We can serve our way there. I need a better amen. Come on, I need a better amen. 
Mark 8.35, if you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who, are, who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Wow. It's a spiritual principle. The fifth and final reason we should desire to serve others is serving allows me to be rewarded now and for all eternity. You know, we've already mentioned this, but God rewards us for serving others. He does. In Matthew 10, 42, listen what it says in the New Living. And if you give even a cup of cold water to me or to one of the least of my followers, which is really to him, you will surely be rewarded. You know, I'm just thinking about that scripture in Hebrews that says, you know, hey, be careful how you treat people that come around, even even strangers. Because you might be entertaining an angel and you don't even know it. And if you mistreat an angel, he might just knock your hip out or something. Come on, are you, do you get that? Like you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who you're dealing with. And maybe that least person is a test for your heart. It's a test for you. How are you going to treat that person? Are you going to treat them and serve them like it's God's creation? Are you going to be high on the hog and say, oh, I don't, you don't deserve my service. Come on. That ain't the way that we need to be conducting our life in the church of God. Amen. Come on. Can I get a better amen? Amen. So we got to be careful, right? But the Bible says that you will surely be rewarded. Man, don't you know he rewards you? Listen, whenever you just, you know, I, I told this story at the first service. I, I think it's, it bears, you know, years ago, there was a person in a small town around here. He was an only child and his, and his parents spoiled him. And everything he wanted, he got. There was nothing they would withhold. The problem was he never got enough. It didn't matter that he got a new car. He wanted the newest new car. And he got so selfish and self-centered that he got so angry with his parents, he murdered them. This is a true story. This is a true story. But that, my friends, is an example. If you allow your stinking flesh to rule your life, our selfishness, our self-centeredness will take us down the road and put us in the gutter somewhere. Amen? And I'll tell you what serving is. Serving is the antidote to selfishness and self-centeredness. I'll tell you what it does. It hits, it hits selfishness in the ribs and knocks the wind out of it so we can position ourselves to be a mighty man, a woman of God that God can use mightily. Amen? He said, listen, if you want to be a servant in the church, Paul told Timothy, Give them a menial task. Give them something that they don't enjoy doing, that they get no glamour or no... Let them prove themselves with serving. And if they're willing to serve, then they have now qualified to be one of my leaders in the kingdom of God. God is looking for leaders and he's looking for people that are willing to serve. How many of you are willing? How many of you are willing? Come on. Serving is the pathway to greatness. Amen. Who glory. But listen. Not only do we get rewarded here, but in the afterlife. Listen, Romans 14, 12 says, each of us will give a personal account to God. You know, the good news is God gives us free will and we can do whatever we want with our life. The bad news is we're going to have to give an account for how we used our free will and what we did with our life. We're going to give an account. 
And the Bible says that, come on, everything we've ever done, it's like it's going to get stacked up and everything that is useless is going to get burned up and only what's silver gold is going to last. All the wooden haze and stubble is going to get burned up. Man, I wonder if I'm building with wood, hay, and stubble or if I'm building with precious gold and silver that will be able to survive the accountability of the Lord. And so listen, life on earth, I think, is a test. It's a test to see what kind of faithfulness we will have. And I believe how we live our life on earth determines what's going to happen with our life in eternity. The greatest motivation of our life should be when we enter the presence of the Lord is to hear him say, Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, oh, this is a great verse, saints. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful preacher. Well done. Good and faithful boss. Well done. Good and faithful prophet. Evangelist. Well done, thou good and faithful servant servant you have been faithful with a few things i will put you in charge of many things come and share your master's happiness listen we're not saved by serving others you can't earn your way to heaven jesus already did that sorry about it you just got to receive salvation by faith but listen we weren't served by serving others are we not saved by serving others but we're saved for serving others we're saved for serving others. That's why we were created. We're called to serve. We've been anointed and appointed to serve. Jesus didn't come over and say, I'm the Messiah. Y'all come sit right at my feet. Somebody wash my feet. That wasn't his attitude. No, his attitude was, who can I, the poor, the sick, the hurting. He was looking for somebody to serve. And he's our example. And that's what we should be after. Amen? Amen? Serving allows me to be rewarded, not just the here and now, but for eternity. Well done, glory. How many of you want to hear those words? How many, well, come on, well done. Well done. Well, let me ask you a question. How are you doing right now? Are you doing well? Because our life could end today, and as the tree falls, there it lies. Are you doing well? How you, how's your servant's heart? Are you doing well? You see, for the Christian, serving is not optional. It's the responsibility of every Christian. And Jesus said in Matthew 20, 20, your attitude must be like my own. For I, the Messiah, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. Now, let me conclude with this. I heard this story, and I think it, it, it's pertinent for this. Napoleon once pointed to a map of China and he said, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, they will be unstoppable. And I think that phrase or that story, I think can be correlated and connected with the local church. If the church ever wakes up, and unleashes the massive amount of gifts, talents, resources, creativity, and energy lying dormant in our pews, Christianity will explode and grow and be unstoppable. Amen? 
Come on, there's no stopping, amen. No stopping the church. Whoever wants to be great, how do you become great? Serve your way in, amen. How many of you are willing to serve the Lord? How many of you are willing to be a servant of the Most High, amen? Now listen, in conclusion, I, you know, the, James 1.22 says, listen, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. So you've heard about this already, but I want to give you some homework. Is that all right? What do we do with this? God wants us to be servants. What do we do with that? Well, I think we need to start serving, right? And so for some of us, maybe, you know, I want to ask you to just pray about it and ask God to show you somebody you can serve this week. How about we start right there in our family with our spouse? And some wife said, amen. I heard that, amen. How about we start serving our children and our children serving our parents? Man, shouldn't it start in the family? I mean, if it ain't working at home, it ain't working, right? But how many of you know it should start right there, huh? Well, how can we help our spouse? How can we help our children? Look for an opportunity to serve in your family. What about at your work? What about if you go help somebody do their job? That ain't my job. I know. That's why you should go do it. But that ain't my job. Yeah, but why don't you just go do it? It's sacrifice. And that's the idea, right? What about, what about if we just go serve in our, in our neighborhood? Help our neighbor cut their grass, clean up their yard. Now, now I said this earlier, but don't go cut nobody's trees down and then you're going to be in court. Well, the pastor told me to serve and I thought I'd just cut that trees down. Them leaves was coming over my yard. I thought I'd store it right there. No, no, you know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe bake a pie or cake and go bring it to the neighbor and just say, hey, I, the Lord, I just wanted to bless you. Here's a cake. I think we could make a difference, don't you? Yeah. Amen. I think we can make a difference. You know, listen, how about in the community? Carry somebody's groceries. I think there's many opportunities, but I don't think if you don't have the mentality of serving, then you'll pass up the opportunity to serve. I'm going to say that again. If you don't have the mentality of serving, people will be falling down with arms full of stuff and you'll look at them and like, man, you're killing yourself right there. Yeah, why don't you reach a hand out, man? Come on. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Get your eyes off of yourself for a moment and get your eyes on the hurts and needs of others for a moment. Somebody might just say that you are great. Amen. You are great. You know, I remember this story. I was at Lowe's and this lady, somehow in the course of the conversation, the person that was tending to me knew who I was and said, hey, you pastor family? Yeah. And the lady said, you pastor family? That's a great church. I said, oh, you've been there? No, I've never been. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, and I couldn't help it. I said, well, how do you know we're a great church? You've never been there. Oh, I heard that y'all do all this stuff in the community. Oh. Oh. So I'm glad I was nice right there while I was in Lowe's. I'm trying to help somebody out here. Right? But you know, listen. I, I learned this. I'm not sure I, I, I like I. I know I don't have it down, but I learned 
Why does all the players, when the, the camera comes on them, they say, hi, mom? Because mom served her way in. Mom served her way in. Why does a wife or a husband want to say, man, I love my wife. She's the greatest. My husband's the greatest. Why? Because they served their way in. Why do some people that have been at the business less time than the other person get the promotion instead of this one? It might be because they served their way in. How can this church make a difference in our community? I think maybe we can serve our way in. Amen? So this is part B of the homework. On July 23rd, it's a Saturday, the same weekend that we're going to be giving out school supplies to needy families. Pastor Kelly's going to be going Saturday afternoon, which I've been a part of this, done this for I don't know how many years now. You go knock on the door and say, what do you want? Oh, we want to give you school supplies, free school supplies. But once you have a seat right here. <laughs> Whereas before they just, and it's true, right, Kelly? I mean, it's just like, it's amazing. Oh, you with the church? Oh, yeah, please come. We have free school supplies. And we've been able to win some people to Christ just by serving them like that. But what about if we had 500 of our parishioners here serve on July 23rd and hand out free water in the park and go to the nursing home and, and go feed the homeless and do all that? Don't you think? I think we might be able to make a difference. Don't you? Come on. How many of you want to be a part of that? Amen. So listen, I'm asking you to put it on the calendar. And we have some sign-ups there. You can look at them. We need a crew to, to hand out the... We just have flyers. And we say, hey, come to church tomorrow, free school supplies. And we blitz some, some areas of the neighborhood. And every year, people get to come to Christ because of that. Amen? And not to mention, last year, 1,100 children got school supplies to start school. Amen? Isn't that a blessing? I believe we can make a difference, amen? We're having a serving campaign. Come on, and we need to start serving right there in our house. Let's start right there, amen? I'm sure Tanya's already making a list of ways I can serve her right now, amen? She got her a list. Come on, are y'all willing? If you're willing, come on, just stand up with me. Let's, let's pray and let's conclude this service today. Listen, you could sign up uh, in the foyer, but there's going to be other things that we're going to bring to you in a few weeks to come. But if you want to just grab one of those brochures and uh, in the flyers, in the, I mean the brochures in the pew, there's a place you can fill out and connect and just say, I want to serve wherever you need me. I believe God is going to give us some souls and we're going to make a difference right here in Acadiana. Don't you believe that? How many of you willing to just, some of you maybe serving is not your greatest forte, but how many of you willing to let the Lord help you? How many of you willing to let the Lord give you a heart and a spirit of servanthood? Let me see your hands. If that's you, just come on, just lift your hands towards the Lord. I got both of my hands raised. And I don't think any of us in this room could say we got that down. I think all of us could do better at that. I tell you, I think when we know we've arrived is when we're willing to lay our life down like Jesus did. That's when we know we've gotten there. Father, I pray 
God, this is a whole lot easier to teach than to walk. It's a whole lot easier to say than to do. God, I pray that you touch every person in this room today. God, I pray that you would just, Lord, put the ax to the root of our selfishness and self-centeredness. And God, may you give us the grace with compassion and love to begin reaching out to others like we've never been before. Lord, let people's mouths be left open because of the acts of service that, in the ways that this body, this church is serving others in our community. God, use us to make a difference in Lafayette. God, use us, Lord, to plunder hell and to populate heaven, I pray in Jesus' name. Now put your hands down for just a moment. You might be here today and you don't know for sure that you're a Christian. You don't know for sure that if you die today, you get to go to heaven. Listen, that's why Jesus died, that nobody would perish and that everybody would get to go to heaven. If you hear today and say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that, that if I died, I'm going to heaven. I, I want to go to heaven. I believe in Jesus, but I just want the assurity. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you today. There you go. I see your hand. Anywhere else, anybody else, just lift your hand and just wave it up at me. Listen, right here, ma'am, I see your hand. Right over here, ma'am, I see your hand. Don't be bashful, sir, I see your hand. Anywhere else, man, this is great. Right here, I see your hand. Listen, those of you that have your hands raised, listen, this is your family. We love you, amen, and we're for you. And this is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life, amen? So listen, don't put one hand up, put two hands up. And just say, man, I'm in. I want to go to heaven. And those of you that raise your hands, pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, let's all pray together. Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've broken your law. But I'm sorry. Well, would you please forgive me? I want to go to heaven. I want to live my life for you. Lord, would you cleanse me? Would you empower me to live the Christian life? Jesus, I want to serve you. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to join your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Now listen. Those of you that raised your hand, do me a favor. I'm going to be right here till everybody's gone. Would you come and shake my hand and say, I prayed that prayer? Or anybody else here at the altar. We have a gift for you. We have a Bible for you if you need it. We want to give you some tools and, and give you some encouragement. And we want to pray for you. Ongoing, okay? Would you do that? Just come up here and let me know, all right? And welcome to the family of God. Where you could go, yes, amen. Come on, let's, the angels are rejoicing. Let's rejoice. And the altars will be open. Anybody needs prayer for anything, we'll be here. Come on, I'm sorry to keep you late. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray the favor and blessing and grace of God over the people of God. Lord, fill their heart with your love, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed said, amen. amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful fourth weekend.